Amen, amen, amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, uh, just uh, real quick, for those of you who know Pastor Jim Carter, he'll be at Rock Road Chapel this evening at 6 p.m. I know a few of us here have been here for a long time. Those of you who have been here for more than uh, 25 years, you would have had to be at Redeeming Love for more than 25 years. Uh, But Pastor Carter and his new wife will be at Rock Road Chapel tonight, 6 p.m., if you'd like to see them and say hello to them. Hey, come on. God is good. Amen. God is good, amen? Amen. Man, we just rejoice in what God has done uh, for Kathy, with Kathy and Kathy's life. And God is on the move. God is alive and well. The healing power of God is still alive today. We see healings, and we are about to see, I believe, uh, in these very four walls, the the miracle-working power of God. I really believe that. Uh, I don't just say that to hype it up. I really honestly believe by the Spirit of God that we will see miracles happen right here in this place. And I just want to encourage you this morning. I want to speak by way of encouragement this morning. Get here. Worship starts at 10, but get here. Get here on time. Get here early. Listen, the worship team shows up the crack of early. I don't know how early they're here, but they're here early. They're here before 9 o'clock. And you can come in and you can sit through practice. You know, practice isn't like worship, but you can sit through practice and just come and begin to soak in the presence of God. The presence of God is here in this very room. As soon as the worship team gets up here and they begin to practice, the Spirit of God begins to move in this place. So get here and get here early and begin to stir, because I'll tell you what, even from last week's worship, the, the, when the worship comes, the power and the, the presence of God is going to be poured out in worship, and people are going to be healed in worship before anybody ever lays a hand on them. The power of God's going to be poured out in worship. When we're giving him glory, when we're praising his name, he's going, to, he's going to pour out his presence. He's going to pour out his power, his anointing, to touch and to heal and to break the bonds that can't be broken by any power other than the name of Jesus. <laughs> miracles. You know what miracles, you know what it takes to have a miracle? You have to have an impossible situation. It's not a miracle until it's impossible. Once we say, hey, this can't happen, then we come into the territory where miracles can happen. And until we come to the territory, until we come to this place where it could still happen some other way, then we're not waiting for a miracle any longer. Miracles are about to be poured out in this place. Come on. Come on. As we worship. Worship is not a small thing, and worship is not something that we do just to pass 30 minutes of the service. Worship is the main thing. Me me getting up here and talking is actually the thing that we could discard, throw away. They're just words. Empty words if if they're not lived out. But worship. But worship. If you are really worshiping God, if your heart is really engaging with God, worship is never, never empty. It's never void. It's never meaningless. Never. I want to encourage you, get worship going in your household. Uh, We have YouTube premium. We put on Bethel music channel, listen to all these songs. We put them on, just let it go. After four hours, it says, are you still listening? Yes, I am. Stop asking me. I'll be like, just put, just go forever. Go forever, YouTube. Don't, don't stop. (laughs) 
I'm going to set the atmosphere in my home, and it's going to be an atmosphere of worship. It's going to be an atmosphere where the presence of God is welcome, always. May his favor be upon you and your children and your children's children and generations upon generations. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. And so do you believe it? I am firmly believe that most of the issues that we have as Christians in today, as we walk the earth today, is because we don't believe the word of God. We may know the Word of God, but do we believe the Word of God? We may know what the Word of God says with our mind, with our mental capacity, but it's not the mental capacity that matters. It's the heart. The Bible tells us, Romans says, it's with the heart one believes unto salvation. It's with the heart that we believe scriptures. If you read the Word and believe the Word, then we need to do what the word says. Our life should be an example of what this says every time. What does it say? Rejoice in all things. <laughs> give thanks. It doesn't just say give thanks. It says be vigilant in thanksgiving. Wow. Vigilant. Unrelenting in your thanksgiving. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. There's three things that God gave us to do that we should never stop doing. And on top of that, we should worship at all times. So, <laughs> oh my Lord, good God. Thank you, Jesus. David got into trouble with Bathsheba because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. If we go back and read the scriptures, it says, I think it's 1 Samuel, it says, it might be 2 Samuel, it says, in the time when kings went out to war, David was at home in his palace. It was time for him to go to war, but he didn't do it. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. And so because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, there was an open door of opportunity to sin. Ah. 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 He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Love mercy. Walk humbly. We need to be doing what the Lord has given us to do. Amen. Rejoice always. Pray unceasingly vigilantly give thanks. Father, inspire our hearts today to be ever for you. Encourage us, God, to be for you in places where we're not even for ourselves. God, let us believe your word in our heart and let us live it out that we might give glory to your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're still in our Love Does series. I did tell you this when I started, and I'll reiterate it today. We could just go forever in Love Does because love is, love is, love is the, love is the issue. Love is the topic.
Love is the thing that we don't do right. Love is the thing that we need to get better at. As a matter of fact, there's only really just one thing that we need to do, and it's just love. We just need to love. And the issue is that we don't really know how to do that. We don't really do that well, and we just need the encouragement of God. I'm here today to say, just love. Just love. When you're in a situation, when you don't know what to do, when the future seems unclear, when you're in a place of trial, no matter what it is that you're facing, the one thing that we can always do and come out on top is love. But selfishness gets in the way. Our own agenda gets in the way. Our previous pain gets in the way. All of these things that we've stored up on the inside of us that we believe makes us who we are, but it doesn't, those things get in the way. And we have a hard time loving. Love is uh, one of the most written about, talked about, sung about topics in all of human history. Poets have been writing about love for a very, very long time. Um, if you guys listen to rock and roll at all, there's no shortage of love songs. Uh, I recently Googled this week uh, top 100 songs with love in the title. Though there's more than 100, way more than 100. All you need is love. How many of you remember that one? All you need is love. Right? All we need to do is love. I wasn't going to title it that. No, I'm not going to give them that much credit. Besides, that's old. Young people wouldn't get that. Just love. It's a, it's a little bit more updated. Just do it. Just love. Just love. Just love. If, come on, guys. Just love. All right, let's jump into the scriptures. Here we go. Matthew 22, 35 through 40. I, in case you guys don't know, in case you're new here, I'll let you know. I quote this scripture all the time. If you haven't been here for a minute, this is one of my key scriptures in all of life, in all of ministry, in everything I do. This is it. Why? Because watch, just listen to what he says. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked a question, asked Jesus a question, testing him, saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest, and this is the first and great commandment. This is the great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and all of the prophets. You guys know that the Bible is divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament is the bigger portion of the Bible. The Old Testament is also known as the law and the prophets. It all hangs, I'm going to lose something. It all hangs on two commandments. Cliff notes, right? We all know what cliff notes is. If you don't know what cliff notes is, cliff notes is an abbreviated version of a book, right? So back in school, college, you know, if you had to read To Kill a Mockingbird, rather than reading a thousand page book, you read a five page pamphlet and it gave you all the key points. <laughs> How many of you ever... No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Cliff notes on the Old Testament. Here we go, watch. Love God, love one another. 
Come on. Come on. Stop it. Is it really that simple? Yeah, it's really that simple, but it's also difficult because I go back to my, one of my original statements is that we don't know how to love God. And so we have to read the law and we have to read the prophets and we have to read the stories and we have to know why and we have to know what God said because we don't do it right. One of the, one of the laws in the Old Testament says, one of the laws in the Old Testament, I'm going to lose all my notes. One of the laws in the Old Testament says that if you dig a hole, if you dig a pit, and your neighbor's ox falls into the pit, then you need to make restitution for the ox. That's love. Wait, what? This is what lo love does something, right? My neighbor has experienced loss, and it's my fault, and so the law says that I should make restitution for their loss because it's my fault. Yeah. See, we don't understand, and so we need the law to be able to spend 753, 52 commandments in the Old Testament. Wow. Does it cover everything? Well, I mean, it kind of gets pretty close. On these two commandments, hang all of the law and all the prophets. And so if we just love, we'll be all right. Listen, I don't know all the Bible yet. That's okay. Just love. When you're approached with a situation, when you're sitting with someone, when someone's telling you a story and you're tired of listening, <laughs> love. When somebody calls you on the phone or you hear that somebody's sick or they need some groceries, just do what love would do. When you're missing somebody, when you haven't seen them in a minute, just do what love would do. Pick up the phone and call them. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's really, really simple. We just need to get over our selfishness. We need to get over the fact that, hey, this is not what I want to do, but this is what they would want. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, Jesus said. It's the epitome of love. How would you really want people to treat you? That's how you treat other people. Love God and love others. If we just did these two things well, we would solve 98% 98, 98 of the problems in the world. Love God, love people. Romans 13, 8 through 10 says this. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. I love this scripture. You know what? I don't know all the commandments. I can't memorize them all. That's too many. What I say, 700 and something. I don't, I don't, I, I probably could. God's given me an awesome mind. I memorize a lot of scripture. But if I just choose love, if I just choose love, I'll obey the commands. I'll obey the commands. 
Why? Because the law was given, Galatians 5 tells us, the law was given to keep sin in check until the seed should come, until Jesus should come. The, <laughs> the law was given to keep us from growing into a very sinful people until Jesus could come and show us how to love. Jesus came and he showed us. He says, this is the way. Go and love one another as I have loved you, he says. Go and love like I love. And then he said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And then he would go to the cross and die for us all. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not cover it. If there is any other commandment, they are all summed up in this Love your neighbor. Sometimes people are really hard to love. Sometimes people are, are hard to love, and that makes it more difficult for us to love. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't love. Jesus raised the bar, and he said, don't just love your friends. Love your enemies, too. Love those who hate you. Love those who persecute you. Love everybody. Why, why should we love everybody? Because God loves everybody. God loves them, even if they are enemies of the cross. While we were yet sinners and enemies of the cross, God loved us and sent his son to die on the cross to make a way for us to have relationship with him and to spend eternity with him. God did that while we hated him. And there are others who hate God and hate us, and we're called to love the same way that God loved us. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10, but the end of all things is near, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover over a multitude of sins. Glory to God. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Grace is an aspect of God's love. Grace is an aspect of God's love. Mercy is also an aspect of God's love. We'll touch on mercy in a minute. I want to talk about grace right now. Grace is an aspect of God's love. Actually, I'm going to talk about both, and then we'll jump back to grace. Mercy is when you do something wrong, and God doesn't punish you. That's mercy. You did something wrong, you deserve punishment, and you don't get punished. That's mercy. Grace is when you've done nothing to earn something, and God gives you something just because he loves you, just because you're you. And so when we tie mercy and grace together, it looks like a little kid who ruins mom's carpet with with you know, cranberry juice when he shouldn't have been in the living room with the cranberry juice in the first place. And dad takes him out for ice cream. It's a bad parenting strategy. Don't do it. But I'm telling you, they wouldn't understand. But honestly, honestly, if we were to tie mercy and grace together, this is what it looks like. And I only share this because when you or I see mercy and grace operating in somebody's life, we're not happy about it. 
we should be. God gives it to us all the time. But when we see somebody else that's done something wrong and God extends mercy and then he gives them grace, we're like, that's not right. Come on. And it's funny because I'm reading your mail and it's true. We all think this way. But this is God. And I'm not saying that we see this all the time, but he is always merciful. He is always gracious. Very rarely are the two tied together at the exact same time. We just perceive it that way. The mercy and the grace of God. Glory to God. As each one has received a gift. How did we receive the gift? Through grace. How many of you know your spiritual gifts? God's given each one of you a spiritual gift, whether you know it or not. You have a gift. He says, use it because God's given it to you by his grace. You have a gift. So be responsible. Be a good steward of the grace gift that God has given you and use it. Start using it. If your gift is hospitality, start making meals for people. Start having people over your house for dinner. If your gift is encouragement, start calling people and encouraging them on the phone. Start writing them letters and encouraging notes. Hey, I saw you in church last Sunday. Love the way you worship. Praise God. Whatever. You know, God, if you have the gift of encouragement, I'm not going to have to tell you what to write. You'll figure it out. Actually, it's already in your mind. Gift of hospitality. You just love to have people over. Hey, come over to my house for lunch. Hey, come over to my house for dinner. Hey, come over to my house for coffee. That's hospitality. Gift of helps. Hey, you're standing in a group. Somebody says, ah, oh, my porch is broken. I'll fix your porch. That's the gift of helps. You just like to help people. I love to help people. I think that gift of helps is one of the very first gifts that I've ever had. Um, but the funny thing about the gift of helps is that it takes oftentimes a lot of times, right? How long does it take to fix a porch? Depends on how bad the break is. It takes a lot of time. But the gift of helps, man, it's good. I love it. I love to help people. Love will cover a multitude of sins. You see here in the thing, this is a direct copy and post from version. So you see it's in quotes. It's in quotes because it's a quote from the Old Testament. This, this um, line, love will cover over a multitude of sins, appears in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, it's from Proverbs. It says it a little bit different. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Wow. First Peter 4, 7 said, love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs says, love covers all sins. All sins. This is great news. This is great news. As we love, as we love, we make up for, we cover over sins. If we love, haha, here we go. If we love, do we now not need to ask for forgiveness because love covers over sins? No. <laughs> no. We still need to ask for forgiveness. To ask for forgiveness is to obey God. To ask for forgiveness is to love God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I'm asking you to do. God asks us to, to ask for forgiveness for what we've done wrong. God asks us, tells us, commands us to ask our brothers and sisters to forgive us for what we've done to them. And so forgiveness is something that God commands us to do. Actually, he puts a, a huge disclaimer on it, and he says, if you don't forgive other people, God won't forgive your sins. Whoa. So 
We still need to ask for forgiveness, but love covers sins in two ways. Number one, God's very attracted to love. Remember, he said to the Pharisees, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Remember, we said mercy is an aspect of God's love. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The whole Old Testament ritual system was built on a series of sacrifice, animal sacrifice. Jesus came, and he was the final sacrifice. It is finished. No, no more sacrifice needs to be made. Jesus finished it. It was done. The cross finished the sacrifice system. He was the last one. He was the last sheep that would ever be slain. His poor blood was poured out for all sins. But mercy, God desires more than sacrifice. And so when we love others, when we show mercy, God's very attracted to that. And he sees that instead of our sin. Now, it also, if we love, if we love, love covers over a multitude of sins. If we love, we won't sin. We can't sin if we love. If we love, if we just love, we can't sin. James 2.8, if you really fulfill the law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors, as sinners. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of it all. We need to keep the whole, sin, the, whole, the whole law. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty or the law of love. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If I could beg you guys to show mercy one to another, I would do that this morning. Please, for the love of God. People use that term, for the love of God. Because God loves you, show mercy to others. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's not, it's not a race where mercy crosses the line first. That's not it. It's not like mercy, okay, now judgment. No. No. It's like the two are in a ring and mercy just with one punch, it's a knockout blow and judgment's just gone. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It wasn't even close Mike Tyson had no right punching that little five-year-old in the head. He never did that. I'm just saying, that's the analogy if we were to think about mercy triumphing over judgment. It, there, judgment doesn't stand a chance. Mercy is that much greater. And sometimes we don't like mercy. We said we don't like mercy and grace combined together, but the real fact is, is that we don't like mercy. We say, ah, oh, that's not true. And then we're driving and there's a merge and you guys were merging on the way up here and somebody lets somebody in ahead of you in traffic and you're like, what are you doing? They're showing mercy. 
God likes mercy, and you're angry at it. It's fun to pick on people's driving. <laughs> I have this theory that we really become who we are when we drive because oftentimes we're by ourselves. Nobody's going to hold us accountable. And yeah, we've got a license plate on the back of our car, but who's watching those? <laughs> uh, I know what a lot of your cars look like. That'll help you in the future, but uh, driving is just fun. We see people that don't know how to drive right, or they're not driving right, they're not using their turn signal, or they're going too fast, or they're going too slow, or they're making a right-hand turn from the left-hand lane. They don't know how to use the turning lane. Most of us don't even know how to use those traffic circles that they're putting in everywhere. Mercy. Mercy. It's okay. Why? Why do we not have mercy? Because we're in such a hurry all the time. I got to get there. I got to get there fast. Leave five minutes earlier. You don't have to get there fast. <laughs> you're either early or you're late. You're never on time. How many of you walked through the door at exactly 10 o'clock this morning? <laughs> no, Jordan, you were here before 10. We were all either here at a minute of, or five minutes of, or a minute after, or five minutes after. The door's not big enough for 100 people to get through at 10 o'clock. We'd have to have more doors. I mean, we have more doors, but we'd have to have more entrances. You're either early or you're late. You're never on time. So just leave early and be there early. It'll reduce stress in your life. How many of you have struggle with anxiety? Leave early. Get there early. You're going to a stressful situation. We're off on a rabbit trail. It's fantastic, though. <laughs> You're going to a job interview or something that normally stresses you out. Leave early. Get there early. You're just taking one more thing off the board about what you can be stressed about. Now you don't have to be stressed about the car ride on the way to wherever it is you're going that's stressful. You're there early, and you can just get there early. Calm your spirit. Pray again. Pray some more. Spend a little bit more time with the Lord. Let the Lord cast your cares upon him because you know that he cares for you. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so we have to be careful that we don't pass judgment. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. God's judgment upon you will be without mercy if you've not shown mercy. This is what, this is what James is saying. I want to read from Romans chapter 14. You know, we have such a habit when God speaks to us something, then we project that onto somebody else. And we require of something else that which the Lord has given us to do. So I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm going to show you in Scripture that just because God gave it to you to do, just because God said that it's not okay for you doesn't mean it's not okay for your neighbor. Romans 14, starting in verse 1. This isn't going to pop up on the slides, but if you have your Bibles, you can open it up and follow along. It says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Receive somebody who's new in the faith, weak in the faith, has, doesn't have a mature faith but not so that you can argue about stuff that's meaningless. 
I, like, I don't like to talk about um, unnecessary doctrine, right? End times, end time theology. I don't really care to talk about it that often because it doesn't matter what you believe. You can believe mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib, pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial, and God's still going to come back when he wants to. <laughs> You're believing one way or the other doesn't make God come back before or after. He's going to do what he wants. How many people recognize Jesus at his first coming? Four, three, right? Simeon, Anna. I don't know. That might be it. I have to come up. The shepherds were told. The wise men saw. The wise men recognized. The disciples were told. The Pharisees denied it. Mary was told. Joseph was told. Everybody was told. Who recognized him? John the Baptist in the womb recognized him. <laughs> oh boy, where was I? Oh Lord, that's what's it's. Verse 2. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day does not observe it to the Lord. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God, and he who does not eat to the Lord does not eat to the Lord, and he gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. I don't care if I'm alive or I'm dead, I'm God's. For to this end, Christ died and rose again, lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but resolve this not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So one person sitting here, God said, hey, it's okay to eat meat, Paul says. Another person, God says, hey, eat vegetables only. Somebody here, God, you, you, might, you might not drink alcohol. Somebody else here might have a glass of wine or two. The Bible doesn't say that we can't have wine. It says don't become drunk. So if somebody doesn't have wine, and somebody does have wine. See, now we're getting into a little bit more touchy home subjects, right? How many of us would be upset with a vegetarian? But how many of us might get upset because we see somebody else with a glass of wine? Paul says, hey, God spoke to that person. Let them have it with their faith. It's their own conscience. You can't violate your own conscience. Be fully convinced in your own mind. God will give you one thing and give somebody else something else. 
It may be okay for me to do it, but it's not okay for you to do it. It may be okay for you to do it, but it's not okay for me to do it. And we got to get out of the habit of judging other people with what God has told us about our life. God has given me certain things to do. And he's told me to do certain things. Read eight chapters a day. Fast regularly. This is my thing. This is what God's given me to do. I'm not going to pass judgment on you if you don't read the eight chapters a day. He didn't tell you that. He told me that. I judge myself. When I don't read the eight chapters a day, I'm like, ah, oh, I got to do better tomorrow. When I don't fast regularly, I know it's like, ah, oh, I got to get back into doing that. I got I to gotta pull up a seven-day fast. I got to dial up a 40-day fast. I got I to get back at this because God's given that to me. And he said, this is going to be part of your life. This is going to be part of the way that you live. This is going to be part of your life with me. And God's given you things to do. And so there are things extenuating beyond even just what the Bible tells us to do. There were people back in the day when slavery was becoming illegal across the globe, who sold themselves into slavery so that they could go and preach the gospel. Does that seem right? How many of us are going to do that? How many of us want to do that? Is that right for you? It's not right for me. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> uh, let me see. Nope. <laughs> but this, is, this really happened. People, there was, an, there was a... At the time, there was a portion of the earth, a, a, a small island, and the only way to get on the island was if you were, this one man owned the whole island, a thousand acres, a couple thousand acre island. And the, the only way to get there was to be his slave. It was him and his family and his slaves, and that was all that was on the island. And so these people wanted to go and preach the gospel because the gospel hadn't been preached there, and so they sold themselves into slavery to get on his island. Slavery is becoming illegal across the globe, but they're like, no, I'm going to do, I'm going to give up my right and go and do this because they need the gospel. We can't judge what God's given them to do. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So when we see someone doing something that we don't understand, we don't need to judge them. We need to say, why would they do that? God, why would they do that? God, did you give them that to do? As we show mercy and as we live with mercy, not only does it triumph over judgment, but this is going to relieve stress in our life. It's actually going to make it more peaceful for us. The Bible tells us, live with peace be at peace with all men as far as that is possible with you. And so when we don't understand when someone is doing something that we wouldn't do, now I'm not saying that we shouldn't sin. If it's sin, you can't sin, right? Murder is sin. Sin is sin. We, we, there, are, there are lines that can be drawn. Somebody's in adultery, that's sin. Somebody's in, you know, sexual sin, that's sin. Somebody's uh, children are being disobedient to their parents, that's sin. Envy, sin. Sin is sin. You can't sin. But if we're talking about disputable things, is it okay to eat meat? Do we have to eat vegetables only? Do you have to fast? Well, the Bible says, Jesus did say, when you fast, some may fast more than others. When we get into these things that are 
that can be disputed, we shouldn't judge one another. Let them live with their own conscience and make up their own mind. Mercy triumphs over judgment. When we come to this place where we allow mercy in our life and we allow people to make decisions for themselves and we don't feel we have to project our decision onto them, it relieves stress in our life. It relieves the anxiety of us trying to get them to, lay, to live the way that God caused, called us to live. They may not be called to live exactly the way that you live. We all have to live differently because God's called us all to different things. God's called us all to different places. You may have to go someplace that I don't have to go. You may have to go someplace that I don't have to go. I may have to go someplace that you don't have to go. Someone here is called to go to the prisons, to minister in the prisons. You, you're going to need a different skill set than I have. Someone's called to minister in their workplace. Someone's called to minister out on the streets in downtown Troy. Somebody's called to minister in the hospital. Somebody's called to minister in any other given place on God's green earth. Go and do it. Do what you've got to do to get there. Do what you've got to do to be there. Amen? Amen. Come on, Lord, help us to love. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you this morning to help us to love. God, that we would just love. God, that we wouldn't judge, but that we would love. God, we ask that you would guide us, that you would lead us. God, that, you would, uh, that we would love one another, God, the way that you've loved us. That we would show mercy and grace to others. God, that your strength would be made perfect in our weakness. God, that when we can't do it on our own, we pray, God, that you would strengthen us and do it through us, Lord. God, we look to you to come and to move in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sin and come and live inside your heart, I want to invite you to do that today. If you're here with us or if you're watching online, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer with me. Jesus, I have sinned. I ask you to come and to forgive me of my sins. Live inside my heart and help me to live for you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth, that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose again and are seated at the right hand of God with power and authority. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you just prayed that prayer for the first time today, I'm going to ask you to check the box on your Engage card that says, Today I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you're watching online, fill out your online Engage card and click the same box. Or you can send me an email at info at redeeminglovechurch.org. And I want to send you some information that explains what that decision means and what your next steps are. Most important first next step is to find a church that you can belong to. If you're here and you're in the area and you want to belong to this church, we'd love to have you. Um, if you're not in this area, we, maybe we can make some recommendations for you. We love you guys. Allison, come receive the offering this morning. <laughs>